The Dudes of Kung Fu podcast is brought to you by Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. In celebration of their newly launched WCI newsstand platform, Wing Chun Illustrated is giving listeners of the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast a free one-month all-access subscription. Go to wcinewsstand.com and click the register button in the upper right corner. Use voucher code FREE4U. That's F-R-E-E, the number four, and the letter U, all caps. Don't forget to activate your account by clicking the link in the welcome message. The Dudes of Kung Fu love Wing Chun Illustrated Magazine. Dudes of Kung Fu. Please welcome your host, Alex Richter and Big Sean Madigan. Hey there, brother man. How you been? Doing good, man. How have uh, you been on your side of the of the New York Harbor pond? I'm doing good, hanging in there. Uh, you know, all, everybody's healthy, and and that's what because in today's day and age, that's what's most important. Everybody is uh, healthy, and I still have a job. So, you know, that's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah, um, yeah. According to the state of New York, I still should not have a job. I suppose. Uh, phase four just opened up this week, uh, which originally was going to include things like gyms and fitness centers. And then our um, governor said, nope, um, no gyms, no martial arts schools in phase four. And here's the problem with that. There is no phase five. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, it's like, OK, uh, so then maybe we have a date or something uh, at some point. But I, I just heard that they actually opened gyms up in Jersey. Um, which doesn't mean anything for anyone from New York, but it could mean that the reopening of our type of business could be uh, on the horizon in the next few weeks. So that's a positive sign. So looking forward to that. Practicing with uh, seven-foot-long padded sticks. <laughs> right, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't know what's going to happen with my job. I mean, listen, first of all, I'm not rushing to get back by any stretch of the imagination because I'm enjoying not having a commute. But... Right. um Literally, yesterday or the day before yesterday, they my firm reached out to me asking if I needed anything else for home. Do I need a new? Because they they'll put a whole home office in for me. Like they're like, oh, do you, do you need new like you know screens or can we put in anything into your house that'll make it better for you? Pod, and, podcast studio, right? But if I'm like, pod, if you had a podcast studio out in Staten Island, I would literally drive there to record it. So. <laughs> would make this so much easier and i was like no i'm good what i have but like for them to offer that to me at this point in time now means that they're not looking at anything going back anytime soon right 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 sure sure yeah you know so uh yeah no so but you know things are good and and it's the weekend and today by the way and when people it'll already be past the date when people hear this but happy birthday to guru dan and asanto that's right. We're, yeah, that's right. That's all the postings today. Yeah, we uh, want to wish uh, happy birthday to Guru Dan. He's uh, one of the most important figures in Jeet Kune Do, and and uh, and you know I only got to train with him a handful of times in seminar settings. Always a nice man, always a gentleman, and uh, I, I wish him well. You know. Yeah. yeah, I had the chance to meet him once at his school. Um, you know, good. Uh, friend of mine, Dr. Mark Cheng, who we had on the podcast way back in season one. Uh, he is Dan Inosanto's doctor. Oh, very cool. And so, yeah, and so he, he treats him uh, with all his, you know, aches and pains from all the sure. training and everything that he does. And uh, through through Doc, I had a chance to um, take a lesson with uh, Guru Dan and go to the school um, a couple of times. And yeah, it was super cool. Um, I had a chance to talk to. I got like really. I normally don't get starstruck. Like I think if I was walking down the street and I saw Leonardo DiCaprio, I'd be like, "Oh, look, there's Leonardo DiCaprio. That jerk has the same birthday as me." But that's totally irrelevant. Um, but it, but when when I see someone like Guru Dan, like then it's like I don't know. It's weird because it's obviously not just the Bruce Lee connection, but it's also like all the stuff he's accomplished in the meantime on his own. I mean, he's definitely. Uh, such a huge living legend. I mean, I know that stuff gets thrown around, like the whole living legend thing. But, you know, there are a few people who are still around today, which, you know, they, they've earned that status, you know, and, and he's definitely one of those guys. So, uh, yeah, um, wish him all the best. And I hope I have a chance to uh, 
to see him again. So yeah, it was it was so weird. I was uncharacteristically nervous when I spoke to him, and I don't know if I, you know, went up to him like, oh, you know, it's like it's a great honor to meet you. And I don't know if there was some weird thing in my voice, but he asked me if I was British. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, no. He's like, oh, I detected a little British accent in there. And I'm like, oh, my God, what is wrong with me? And then, of course, I'm thinking, like, am I coming off weird? What's wrong? Why do I have this weird accent? And then all of these, like, things start going in of your course, head. Right, like, of course, right, of course. Shut up, shut up. You're making yourself nervous. You need to stop right now. So uh, that was kind of a very uh, very interesting moment for me when I met him. But, uh, yeah, it was, it was really great. Yeah, my first experience with Guru Dan was um, well, it's got to be like 30 years ago. I uh, went to a seminar at the Princeton Academy of Martial Arts and um, run by Rick and Amy Tucci. Miss Amy is, has since passed away. And she was, she was so incredibly nice because there was clearly a group of us at, there that didn't know what the hell we were doing at all. And, like, you know, Guru Dan's seminars could be, I guess... For the most part, they're, they, you know, they start off on a, on a beginner level, I guess, and then work out to work to be much more. They go a lot deeper, you know. Right. And I remember when I first, when we first like pulled out, we got there, and I, I literally didn't even own sticks, um, Cali sticks. So I, when I got there, I bought the Cali sticks. I bought a dagger, which I still have. And um, I remember we got, I got there, and. I, they asked, when I checked in, they asked me what my experience level was or something. Someone mentioned it to me that I, or I said offhanded that I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. And they kind of put me in this group of guys that also probably clearly didn't know what the hell they were doing. And I realized this immediately. I remember saying to myself, like, oh, man, this is going to suck. Because none of us know what we're doing and we're all, like, stuck together. And it was so cool because Amy Tucci came over. And, like, she was... You know, co-owner of the school that hosted the seminar, right? And she spent like the whole day with us. She was so incredibly sweet and wow. so incredibly nice. Like she was like, I mean, listen, because you know, for her, it's, you know, she still gets to train. She was there to train with Guru Dan, also. You know, she was yeah. no slouch. She was a, a legit martial artist, and she swore that we were a group that didn't know what we were doing, and she wanted to ensure that we got a lot out of the seminar. Because, you know, because Guru Dan starts off with, like, okay, give me, you know, let's warm up with the sticks. Do single, single, double, double, go into a six-count sinus wally, you know, heaven and earth, back down to double, double, back to single, single, stepping forward and stepping back. And I'm looking at the guy next to me, like, do you understand a word he fucking said? The guy's <laughs> like, no. I'm like, me neither, you know. And, and Amy Tucci came over and was like, all right, guys, this is what we're going to do. And she, like, you know, dumbed down all the drills and... Wow. And by the, you know, and by lunchtime, she had us really going, you know, it was like really cool. And then actually by lunchtime, she took the group of us over to meet Guru Dan. So I got a picture of Guru Dan and he signed my stick. And I still have that stick, by the way. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, so I, ha I still have that stick, that autograph stick. And um, yeah, no, so, you know, I, I got to meet Guru Dan that weekend and a couple weekends, a couple of times after that, too. He was always incredibly nice to me. I. I haven't, you know, seen him in a long time. And again, right. I only met the man in seminar settings. I'm not a student of his or anything to that effect. But, um, That's which interesting. is a bugaboo of mine. When you train with a guy only in seminar settings, don't, don't, people got to stop implying that they were his students. Right. You know, it's right. like yeah. so many people put themselves out as like, I'm a student of so-and-so and they only met them in seminar settings. Yeah, that's yeah. it's you know maybe you could say I trained with the guy, I was fortunate to meet him, but if your only experience is in seminar, it's yeah, tough to sure. say you were a student of the guy. You know that's yeah absolutely that's, that would absolutely. be wrong. I've I've had people pull that on me as well. Like I go on their website and they're like a student of Sifu Alex Richter, and it's like, but this person's not my todai or whatever. And then I look at this person and I look and look and look, and only find out like. They came to a seminar I taught in in another state once, and right. 
even in that one seminar they came to, and the only reason I know they're in is because they're like in the group photo, they didn't even stand out during the seminar. And now suddenly they're like, it, it's weird. I mean, I guess uh, I suppose it's kind of cool when you get to some point where people start using your name, but it, I can't imagine like I've taken a few seminars with, you know, obviously most of the seminars I've taken were with people who are also teaching me like I took you know I was learning mm -hmm. from Siva Learning privately and did a seminars but I've done a couple seminars with people just kind of for you know shits and giggles right yeah, and, sure. and uh, so for example I did the Steve Golden seminar which was at my school right but I would never I would never like say I was a student of Steve Golden like I just right. I just feel I would I, I I couldn't actually say that like it would just it just I, I did a seminar once with Henner Gracie one seminar four hours I would never say I'm a student of Henner Gracie right, right? and so it, it just like uh, I think that people tend to want to do this because it feels like they feel like they get elevated um, but I, I think that it's just kind of a really cheap way to do it but, but before I forget I remember uh, we were talking about Guru Dan there a moment ago um, Doc told this funny story he actually like uh uh, I, I, I don't remember the detail of what it was, but um, he was, he was you know, Guru Dan had something that was nagging him. I don't know what it was, something in his shoulder, whatever. And, um, and of course, Doc, you know, his question was, you know, well, how did this happen? And Guru Dan's answer was, well, and I don't remember the exact date. He's like, well... In 1960, whatever, uh, I was doing a demonstration and, and Bruce threw me on the stage. <laughs> and, and, then, and then I remember Doc was like, he's so excited because he was thinking like, wow, um, I'm, I'm treating an injury that was Caused by Bruce, Bruce Lee. Lee. <laughs> All these years later, right? Like the original source of that. I thought it was kind of quite amazing. So, um, yeah, interesting. Yeah, I, I, interesting. You know, it's funny because I've had like that kind of experience the first time I uh, realized I was... Like I did Chi Sao with Steve Golden, and Steve Golden did Chi Sao with Bruce Lee. Uh huh. The two degrees you know, of separation, right? Right. You know what I mean? You kind of like, you know, it's it's kind of cool. It's kind of cool, especially you know when you when you grow up a Bruce Lee fan, you had Bruce Lee posters on your wall. There's there is that kind of cool connection to things, you know, like when you get that kind of connection, and you're like, wow, I you know I, I respect that, you know, it's. In in the long run, I guess I, I I remember coming to terms with the fact that while I learned Jeet Kune Do from Steve Golden, which was the creation of Bruce Lee, it was more about my relationship with Steve Golden than any kind of imagined relationship that I had with Bruce Lee. Right. You know that I you know I may have gone to Steve Golden because of Bruce Lee. I stayed with Steve Golden because of Steve Golden. Right. Do you know what I mean? And I, I think that is something that people... Another thing that people have a, a problem grasping. That, you know, like... Um, they, they, they do Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu with a guy who trained with a guy who trained with a guy who trained with Hoist Gracie. Right. And it's all... And in their minds, it's all about Hoist Gracie. Yeah. You know, it's... You know, they train with a guy who trained with a guy who trained with a guy who trained with Yip Man. And it's a picture of Donnie Yen. <laughs> you mean IP man, right? Right. You know, it's like, and and then you can know it's the same thing. It's they train with a guy who imagined that he trained with a guy who imagined that he trained with a guy who trained with Bruce Lee, and people think that they are experts on on Bruce Lee. Right. They feel like they know everything there is to know about Bruce Lee without doing any of the research. Yeah. They 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 have the strongest of opinions. And we all know the strongest of opinions are usually held by the dumbest motherfuckers on the face of this earth. <laughs> well, they, they say um, uh, often wrong, but never in doubt. <laughs> right, right, exactly. <laughs> that's perfect. That's perfect. Man, that, that should just, that, you know what? They should actually put that on Chikundo certificates. <laughs> <laughs> often wrong, never in doubt. <laughs> well, the Dunning-Kruger yeah, I mean, effect. Why do you have to know anything when you can just say a Bruce Lee quote? And make and make it sound like you know what the fuck you're talking about. Yeah, especially you know? when the Bruce Lee quote is most likely something from his notes, which is actually from uh, Napoleon Hill's like "Think and Grow Rich." Do you know like Napoleon Hill's book "Think and Grow Rich"? I don't know if you ever read it, but it's kind of like I have the, not, but I've heard about it. Yeah, it's like it's like you know for people who want to be entrepreneurs and want to like really go their own way, it's like the first book you should read, right? 
And it's about having that definite chief aim, which Bruce actually wrote. You know, I, Bruce Lee, will be the highest paid oriental actor, whatever he called himself at that time. And that exercise of having a quote-unquote definite chief aim comes from Napoleon Hill's book. And I've read that book a number of times when I start, when I opened my business. I was like, those are the kind of things that I was reading then, these kind of like motivational, do-it-yourself kind of books, right? And uh, it's a treasure trove of quotable stuff. But Bruce wrote a lot of these notes from that book in his notebook. And I can't tell you how many times I see a meme, which is like, which is like Bruce Lee on there. And I'm like, that's a Napoleon Hill quote. And I hate it when people say like, oh, that's not, you know, Bruce Lee never said that. See, they're trying to like make it seem. But it's like Bruce never said that he said that. The problem is even the estate will sometimes put on social media, whether it's Twitter or Instagram, a Bruce Lee photo. And there's a quote there. And I go, dude, that's from Napoleon Hill. Bruce Lee didn't say that. He probably wrote it in his notes because it resonated with him but they're you know in this kind of reimagining of bruce the the uh the the modern day uh socrates uh they are attributing these things to him which is not fair to either one of these great men neither napoleon hill nor bruce lee right hey genuflect when you say that brother you know it's (laughs) you know it, it well there is definitely a an issue in the martial arts community when it comes to putting Bruce Lee on an exalted level and 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 making him and and others making him some sort of deity. You know, there's 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 a difference between having a respect. A difference of you know what? There's nothing wrong with and nothing wrong with being a fan. There's nothing wrong with being a Bruce Lee collector. There's nothing wrong with just just flat out, hey, you know what? I love Bruce Lee. I own a blue. I I own a black and gold tracksuit because I think it's fucking cool. That's what I like to do. You know, right. like I I have, I have a deerstalker cap. I love Sherlock Holmes, and I have a deerstalker cap. When I bought a Fender Strat, I bought a Clapton Strat because I wanted the exact model that ever Clapton plays. Right. There's nothing wrong with being a fan, but if you're gonna go online and speak about something. If you're going to talk to friends, you have to go out and research so you can speak intelligently. Right. You don't want to sound like a fanboy. And yeah. rather, you'd rather sound like an informed person. You know, so many people take part in these inane conversations and they speak of Bruce Lee as some sort of deity. Right. It's, it's ridiculous. It's beyond ridiculous. The man was a human being. Stop putting him up, put him on some on some level that no person could attain to. Right, right. Yeah, I, I think I think that's where it's like you have all these like different levels of fandom, right? So you have people who are like just really obsessed with Bruce Lee uh, about let's say his movies. Like there are people out there. Like I, I like to consider myself like a bit of a Bruce Lee fanboy. And sure. uh, but I like to consider myself a well-rounded fanboy, meaning that I'm equally interested in his childhood growing up, his martial arts training, his time in the States, his movie period. I'm into all that stuff, even the weird conspiracies about his death. I can go into all that stuff. Right. Mm-hmm. Because I like I like the whole Bruce Lee story, warts and sure. all. And, but there are people out there who are like mega fans about the movie stuff and they can they can wrap circles around me in terms of what they know about the movies. And then there are people who are like, you know, you know like, for example, Sifu Richard Torres knows all this stuff about the Jeet Kune Do era. And the, you want to know anything right. about absolutely this certificate and when did he teach this or do that? You talk to him. Right. And then there are other people like in Hong Kong who know a lot about Bruce Lee's early life. Right. And so you have almost like these specialists. Right. Those are never the people you really need to worry about. It's the people who are just huge fans that actually don't know, like, the really deep stuff that I feel those are the people who constantly perpetuate the Bruce Lee versus Muhammad Ali, the Bruce Lee versus Tyson. What if Bruce Lee was in MMA today? And I think the reason why that is, and of course, they believe just because they have a very, I would almost say, childlike idol, um, 
adoration of Bruce mm-hmm. Lee. Well, of course, Bruce Lee can beat everybody because he's that guy for them, right? My and daddy think, can beat up your daddy. Exactly, right? And I think the disservice to Bruce Lee is that I believe from what I've read about him and from what I've heard other people say, he was not the guy that said he could beat everyone up. He was the guy who said that he was confident. He was confident in his skills, that he had experience. He had something worth to teach. But Bruce Lee, I think, was probably more aware of his limits than anybody else. I mean, the whole him saying he could beat up uh, Muhammad Ali, which was then spun into that nonsense, which they put in the Tarantino movie. Bruce Lee literally said it was quoted even in, in the old Enter the Making of Enter the Dragon that he said, you know, uh, that he idolized him and that he that he said, look, he even said, look at my little Chinese hand. That guy would crush me, meaning that he was well aware of the size difference in the power because because to Bruce Lee's credit, he was someone who understood what real fighting was, what sparring was and also the limits. If Bruce Lee had said flat out, oh, I could totally wipe the floor with that guy. It wouldn't be a matter of, well, that's because he's got the confidence to do it. In my mind, it would be maybe the guy's a little bit delusional because anyone who's done sparring and has trained really hard with different types of people know that on any given day, you can get your ass kicked. You could have your best day and someone just has a slightly better day than you and they will beat your ass. It's not just about you coming out and having a bad day, right? And on any given day, you can slip on a banana peel. And on any given day, there's some dude standing in front of you that is just better at everything than you are and better looking and you're just going to have to understand that and i think that bruce was someone who understood that and i think it's the misguided fanboys who don't know enough about him and don't know enough about martial arts to avoid putting their foot in their mouth with this bruce would beat tyson bruce would beat Muhammad Ali, Bruce would go in there and, you know, uh, head kick Conor McGregor like super easy. I think that I I think that people are misguided in that. And I think that that also doesn't diminish anything Bruce Lee did one bit. The idea that Bruce Lee understood his understood his limitations as a martial artist and a fighter is proof of the absolute realistic training he had. And, and took part in. It's the guys who don't take part in realistic training that live in the fantasy world. It's those are the guys who don't understand what it's like to get punched in the face. Don't understand what it's like to misjudge distance and, 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 and get punished for it. The guys that do realistic training, that do realistic sparring, will rarely say, oh, in a fight I could kick his ass. Now I know immediately a bunch of people saying, oh, well, I heard, I hear every MMA fighter in the world say, I could, oh, oh I'll beat him. Oh, I'll beat him. Right. Posturing for, posturing for a fight. For, it's for, the business. For, it's the it's business. the business. That's, that's, that's media. That's, oh, I, I, you know, I can't get up and say, oh, no. Yeah, he could beat me <laughs> if I'm going right. to fight the guy in a ring, in a right. cage in a, in a week. That's, yeah. that's posturing for a fight. That's different than, you know, asking a martial artist if they fought another martial artist and that, you know, what would happen. And if that guy says, oh, I could easily kick his ass, he's delusional. He's not, right. he, does, he, doesn't, he doesn't train realistically. Because no one that trains realistically would never put it out there without the caveat, oh, but I could lose. Sure. You know, it's, it's, I mean, of course, unless, unless you talk about somebody insane, you know, yeah, again, I mean, you have, we're, we're talking about like, uh, you know, a, a professional fighter versus just like some delusional amateur who never trained before. Right. Like, obviously we're, we're not talking about those guys, like <laughs> mm-hmm. that old TV show on MTV bully Beatdown, where some right, right, right. bully and then they threw him in, in the ring with an MMA fighter and they always, the guy always got his ass kicked. Right. I mean, we're not talking about that. We're talking about on a more or less level playing field of people who have martial arts or fighting skill. Right. You know, I never, ever like rarely ever take part in any of these who would win arguments. I almost did today. I almost did. I wrote out the post. I hit send. And I deleted it within seconds. 
Because I just, I can't, I couldn't, I couldn't do it. I literally, I just couldn't do it. I I saw in a martial arts group, I'm not going to say which one, because this is not indicative of the group. It just happened to be a conversation in that group. Of like um, Mike Tyson versus Bruce Lee. And one well-meaning person said, oh, Bruce, you know, who, the question was like, who would win, Mike Tyson or Bruce Lee, both of them in their prime? And this person, who I'm sure was very well-meaning, said something to the effect of like, well, Mike Tyson was never even in a street fight. <clears throat> he would kill Bruce. Bruce Lee would kill him. Because Bruce Lee was in street fights in Hong Kong. And Mike Tyson was only a boxer. All right. Okay, let's get a couple things straight. Mike Tyson grew up in Bed-Stuy, Brooklyn. By the time he was 13 years old, he was arrested 38 times. He was sentenced to Spofford Correctional Facility, where he did time. Now, Spofford Correctional Facility is a youth jail. It's not daycare. It's a fucking prison. I've been to Spofford, okay? It's it's really? Yeah. I've been to Spofford. So, it's a prison. When he got out of Spofford, he trained to become a boxer and then went to real jail for six years. And not even with the fight with Mitch Blood Green. Tyson got into a lot of fights that had nothing to do with boxing. You cannot write off all that because in some fantasy land in your head, Bruce Lee beat up some 106-pound kid in some alleyway in Hong Kong. Right. You know, Tyson is probably 50, 60 pounds heavier yep. than Bruce Lee, six inches taller. Yeah. And a trained fighter. To sit there to say, oh, Bruce Lee would just beat him easily is delusional. Yeah. And if Bruce Lee was alive today, there's no way he would say that. Yeah, he'd be the first person to tell you that you're delusional for thinking that. <laughs> right. It's, you know, yeah, would Bruce Lee maybe say, oh, I, I would, in my prime, I would stand a chance. I could give him a fight. He'd know he's right. in a fight. But he would never say, oh, I could destroy him. Right. Because Bruce Lee trained realistically. He understood the dynamics of a fight. And when you understand the di- how a fight works, it's... It's almost it's impossible to it's it should be impossible in your brain to say, oh, I could beat that person, a trained fighter. You know, easily, it's never going to happen. It's right. just you know a, a real a- Alex is a real fighter. Okay, he he trains hard. He's in great shape. Lord knows he posts enough pictures without shirts on it, so we know. <laughs> He's. Uh, I mean, a seafood of his, of his of his own school. If for some ridiculous reason someone asked him, "Hey, Alex, could you know if you had to fight some other seafood, whatever that runs a school, how easily would you beat him?" Ugh. Like, there's no way. I'm, I mean, I can't answer for you, but there's no way I can. I can't picture you saying, "Oh, I yeah. could kick the shit out of so and so." You know? Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, let's pick some Brazilian jiu-jitsu guy, whatever. And, you, you know, the, the people, Wing Chun people, Kung Fu people are going to want you to say, oh, uh, you know, he just trains in, in Brazilian jiu-jitsu, so I would just finger jab him in the eyes and and I would win that fight easily. It's right. it's ridiculous. Yeah. It would, it would be ridiculous. And I, I know you would never say that, you know. Right. Why? Because you train realistically. You know how hard it is to do something. And, and that's missing with a large segment of the Jeet Kune Do community when it comes to Bruce Lee. The Wing Chun community, too, when it comes to Bruce Lee. Same problem. There's this... And, and maybe it's because, you know, he died so many years ago. And, you know, he'll forever be that, that guy with the, the six-pack and the spread right. lats. And, you know, and, you know, and there's the... 
incredible movement and skill and, and knowledge. And I get all that. And I'm not taking anything away from Bruce Lee. And I'm not making fun of people that idolize the man. Right. You know, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with idolizing Bruce Lee. Hey, yeah. man, I, stra- idolize I straight him. up idol. I straight up idolize him, but not right before we came on way. the air. Before we came yeah. on the air tonight, you said, "Oh, I was watching a documentary on background scenes of Enter the Dragon." Only <laughs> a fan of the person would be doing that. Right. You know what I mean? And I, I didn't make fun of you for that because I think that's <laughs> well, it's the truth. Because right. I think yeah. people, I think people wrongly think that I don't like Bruce Lee collectors. Right. Because I say that I'm not one. You're right. I'm I'm more of a Jeet Kune Do guy than a Bruce Lee guy. But I don't dislike Bruce Lee people. I don't make fun of Bruce Lee people. I'm a Sherlock Holmes person. I'm an Eric Clapton person. But you have to go... When when you're discussing Bruce Lee with other people, you kind of have to have a realistic understanding of the way the world works and also and also understand that other people may not have the same thought process as you right you know it's just it's just it's just a way of being an adult you know yeah Um, yeah Yeah, sure i i think that yeah it's, it's kind of weird because when i listen to these people or i read these people uh, commenting and saying about who Bruce Lee could beat up or whatever. <laughs> the the funny thing for me is that I feel, and this touches a little bit on what we were talking on in the last episode, but like, I feel that I would have had that conversation and I would have said Bruce Lee when I was 15. Right. You know, y- you know, when it's like I just didn't have that much experience in terms of what other people could do out there, the, the level of fighting uh, that a boxer is capable of. Because when I was 15, I was like, boxing is a very limited thing, and you know, maybe it's cool because you got some footwork or whatever, but you know, I need to do a martial art that has elbows and knees and all this other kind of stuff. Not realizing that you know, if I, I had sparred with a halfway decent boxer at age 15, I could have tried to elbow and knee the hell out of him, and he would have just, just jabbed my face off, right? But I didn't know that. Right. I had a very different idea about, you know, a complete martial artist, meaning that I knew a, I could use a bunch of different weapons and not understanding that someone with really good timing and one weapon like a jab could ruin my day. And I just didn't know that. So, of course, I would look at that and just go, well, Mike Tyson is someone who just punches and Bruce could kick him and do this and do that and all this other kind of stuff. So it would be very clear to me when I think about that. Now I go, I 100% would have believed that. Like I would have had a fanatical belief that Bruce Lee would have destroyed Mike Tyson when I was 15. And I listen, like in, when I go deep into my own mind and go, what would be my arguments pro Bruce Lee? And it's all the stuff I just laid out. Well, he has this, he has a Mike Tyson only can punch, right? And when I listen or I read these guys commenting, they're literally in the same line of argumentation I would have had when I was 15 years old. And I'm not trying to say, oh, these guys are a bunch of 15-year-olds in adult flesh. I'm just saying that was my level of development based on the small amount of experience I had outside of either Wing Chun or Taekwondo or whatever, or the bubble of what I had read or I had practiced. So it, it only speaks of a very limited worldview because they essentially live... In, it could be self-created or it could just be because of circumstance. They, they live in a limited set of experiences in terms of martial arts. And the only way they feel that they could honor Bruce Lee is by saying that he is the most undefeatable person. And I had a, oh God, this reminds me of something even more. It's a, some things are very embarrassing. I had a student many, many years ago. I have, I had to get rid of him. He was a, he, he became an instructor, but he was a very bad fit for my school and caused a lot of problems. And I, I, I got rid of him. And this is way back in the Leung Ting days. But he was a bit fanatical in that kind of way I was when I was 15. But he was a grown-ass man. He was even older than me. And I remember, and you have to imagine, Sean, this is like me at the height of my... Like, I'm a part of the Church of Leung Tang, and I'm, like, right, the New right, York right. representative for the IWTA. I am, like, WT and, you know, all this kind of stuff, like, is, you know. And I remember this student, like, came up to me, 
you know, and uh, Sifu Langton came in for a seminar, and he goes, whoa, there goes one of the best fighters who ever lived. And I remember, I just like, I just thought like, and here I am at the height of my family. I'm learning from this guy. Right. He's a tremendous source of martial arts wisdom and Wing Chun and all this other stuff. And I was thinking, even at the height of my, you know, following Sifu Langton, I never once thought that he was the best fighter who ever walked the earth. Right, and, right, and, right. I, and, and, and I think that he, Sifu Langton would also tell you the same thing too. I remember... Uh, when uh, there was that funny spat between Amin and William Chung in the 80s, right? Uh, that I remember it was Sifu Leung Ting's comment at that time, not to get too political, was he's too old for fighting. And William Chung was in his 40s back then. So it's very clear that Sifu Leung Ting is very well aware that, you know, yeah, when you're old, you know, he even wrote in his book, like fighting is a young man's game, right? And you have to find mm -hmm. this apex of experience and youth for both of these things. He literally wrote that in his, you know, book, Dynamic Wing Chun. It's like you need to have the fighting experience and having done it, but you can also not be too old and, you know, for especially for fighting in the ring. And he was very well aware of that. And here's this, this you know, ex-student of mine who's just so like... The only reason he's learning from me is because I'm teaching this Wing Chun, which because he's learning from me has to come from a guy who's literally the best fighter in the world. Otherwise, for some reason, what if I told you he's the third best fighter in the world, but his Wing Chun is still that good? Would you still want to <laughs> learn from him? What if I told you he was the eight millionth best fighter in the world, but his Wing Chun was still that good or he was that knowledgeable or at the very least he could teach you? Can you imagine if Mike Tyson... When he met Customato, decided that he was just going to all out fight that old man. And right. if that old man could beat him, then he would learn from him. There's some idiots in Wing Chun who are like that, so-called fighters. Like, I would never learn from someone uh, who, who, you know, couldn't beat me up or whatever. Um, like, what the hell are you talking about? Because, first of all, most people who are really good fighters are absolutely horrible teachers. What you want is you want to have a teacher who has experience and can teach you how to fight. Whether that person is the world's most baller fighter or whatever is completely irrelevant because there's some big fighters in the martial arts world, not just Wing Chun, and some of those guys have produced the worst students ever. Meanwhile, there's some guys out there who are like amazing, and you go, who's your teacher? And it's some guy you maybe, maybe never even heard of, but that person was able to build up a solid skill set in their students. And this is another thing that gets conflated, like you, that if you learn from the guy, the guy's got to be the best fighter, as if everyone who teaches every martial art is the best at that martial art. And and you cannot have so many number ones, right? And, and yeah, I think this is just kind of a, it's, it's, a, it's an immature way of looking at martial arts that's and that's the right word for it the immaturity of it you know i mean yeah. we're safe to say none of my students think i'm the best um <laughs> but, well you know because one I, I don't have that personality to sit there and try to you know even when i was in shape and teaching all the time i never had the personality of well i'm the best guys you know i'm the king shit right and we did a lot of sparring so they knew I wasn't the best. A lot of them were better fighters than me. But I was a better teacher. I was good at teaching. I could make them better. Right. You know, and I, um, I also was of the personality that with things I couldn't make them better with, I brought in people that could. You know, yeah. and... When, they, when we needed a ground game above what I could do, <clears throat> I brought them to other gyms that were run by friends of mine so we can go to open mats on weekends and things to that effect to get to up, to, you know, to raise our game in that area. You know, I, 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 I didn't have an ego get in the way. Right. And I think realistic training, in addition to keeping us real in our thoughts gives us as martial artists the ability to do things that non-fighters can't do. And this is a little bit like different topic, but it's all based on the same thing. What realistic training gives you? It gives me the ability to walk away from an, a fight, an argument, an act of aggression on me 
with my head held high. Right. I could walk away from a fight out of courage and not cowardice. Yes. Because I know how to scrap. I, you know, even in my, even in my fat old man body that I'm in now, I always joke, I got one good punch left in me. You don't want to be, you don't want to be the guy who gets my last punch I have left. But I know I have, I have a little bit of game left in me that I can, I can defend myself. And it's because I have that knowledge that it's pretty hard to entice me to throw a punch at you and hurt you. Right. So if I walk away from a fight, I can walk away from a fight, a challenge, an insult with confidence. I don't have to walk away from a fight in cowardness. Now, how my opponent perceives it, I don't care. They may think I walked away from it out of cowardice. doesn't matter what they think. It's how I'm going to lay down at at my bed at the end of the day. And, and say to myself, and probably wouldn't even think about it, but if it did pop into my head, oh, man, I would like, oh, that idiot has no idea how close he came to catching a fucking beating today. Being Training realistically will give you the ability to walk away from bullshit fights. And I'm talking about arguments on Facebook. I'm talking about aggressive people you work with. I'm talking about guys in traffic that give you the finger... This, this idea of being able to just shake your head and laugh at the stupidity of other people and not bite on, on the bait and get into some stupid street fight all comes from a realistic training environment. Right. If, you know, I'm not going to knock the guy who, whose only training is punching his heavy bag in his mother's basement. Because if that's all you got, that's all you got. But you can't tell me that the guy who only punches the heavy bag in his mom's basement has the same confidence level as a guy who's sparring once or twice a week and, 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 and testing his, his training out and, and has a, a real understanding of where his level is, of what he can do and what he cannot do. When you, and when you get to that, when you get to that, that level of Hey, I know what I can do and what I can't do. Man, that comes with like a peace of mind that's just, you, you can't buy that shit. You right. can't buy it. Right. You have to earn it. You have to earn that confidence. And earned yeah. confidence is, is just vital. Yeah. Uh, I, I think it's interesting what you said there because you're like, you know, the guy who hits the, you know, the bag at his mom's basement isn't going to have that same level of confidence. But actually... Uh, there's a, uh, and I mentioned this on the podcast before, and I even made a reference to it a little earlier in this episode, uh, this thing called the Dunning-Kruger effect. So the Dunning-Kruger effect was a study done by uh, these two scientists, one named Dunning, one Dunning, named Kruger. Oh, Kruger, I bet the other guy was trying <laughs> yeah. Okay. yeah, and um, I believe the study was done in the 90s. Uh, my recollection of the exact protocols and the exact outcomes is going to be a little bit... Um, messy so i invite any of our listeners if you really want to know exactly what it is well just you know go go and google it the dunning kruger effect so basically what it was is it measured uh the confidence of people based on their level of experience and they actually found something and this kind of really plays into uh these this immature love of bruce lee being on the lower end of the graph of experience like I was when I was 15. Yo, Bruce Lee would totally you just give one stop kick to Tyson and Tyson would snap in half kind of kind of way of looking at stuff um, as opposed to having a more kind of fleshed out idea of what, what this thing might actually look like, right? I can and just so, picture you with the skateboard and the whole thing. Oh, yeah. You saw I, I posted those photos of me with the skateboard, right? Yeah. So... Uh, the Dunning-Kruger effect basically says that people who are at a very low level of competency in a specific field or area of knowledge highly overestimate their skills in that specific field or uh, area of knowledge, meaning that they know so little that they're convinced they know everything 
because they don't know how much they don't know yet. Right. And sure, so, sure. and so, and so the gag is that, um, uh, the, the curve of confidence, um, goes something like this. Someone who is at a very low level of maturation in a skill subject highly overestimates their competency and knowledge in there. So their confidence is actually quite high. And then what you see when you follow this graph is that years in, as they become more uh, adept in this topic, their confidence in how much they know and how much they understand it starts to drop off rapidly. Right. <laughs> so it's like when you've been doing, you know, like we know like mid, mid of middle of the road martial arts students or people who've been around for a while are just they're the ones who are riddled sometimes with a lack of confidence as to whether they can do it whereas like a few years ago when they started they were all like i'm just gonna chain punch the world if i right. move to me <laughs> and then they're like hmm can i really make these chain punches work if the guy has this and this skill set right that lowering of the level of confidence is part of the process of actually becoming an expert at something and the curve of confidence only starts to trend slightly back up after years and years of being in this field. And that confidence is not in their ability. Their confidence is in their knowledge of they know how much they don't know about something and how they are a lot less likely 10, 15, 20 years down the road to say a statement as absolute fact. And this is a very scientific way of looking at things like someone who's a scientist who's maybe speaking slightly outside of their field, like a biologist who's been asked about astronomy <laughs> right. is going to say, well, I'm not the expert in this field. I took some astronomy classes in university. In my understanding, I think that this is what's going on. But you would have to ask someone who is actually an astronomer to get a more qualified opinion. That's how science works. And that's also consequently how most experts hedge and put caveats in what they're going to say. Like if someone asked me, like, uh, you know, what do you think about uh, this style of Wing Chun? I go, well, I don't actually know enough about that particular lineage or branch. You might want to talk to Jim Rosalando if it's Pinsan Wing Chun, or you might want to talk to someone else. Whereas somebody, let's say, much lower on the totem pole, be like, oh, that style's a bunch of crap. Those guys don't even have this. They don't even have that. Because they have an overinflated self uh, sense of confidence in what they know because they don't know enough to know that they don't know shit. And that is right. what the Dunning-Kruger effect essentially states, which is why I believe that kid who's in the basement hitting his mom's hitting the heavy bag in his mom's basement actually has a high level of confidence that's not based on anything in reality, right? There's right, a confidence yeah. which is delusional, which is based on a lack of experience, and then there's a confidence that's based on I've been through this before. It's going to be rough, but I think I can, but I think I can get through it. That being an actual applied sense of confidence. So I feel these guys who say that oh Bruce Lee would be able to do this and be able to do that um, are in that Dunning Kruger effect spectrum of just not having enough experience. Like you you said about the Bruce Lee Enter the Dragon thing. My quote about that was John Saxon Roper from Enter the Dragon asked Bruce Lee. Man, what would it be like if you were six foot two and 190 pounds? And Bruce Lee said, I'd rule the world. Well, what does that tell you? <laughs> sure, it's a, it's a self-deprecating comment. It's somewhat sarcastic. But what does that simple thing infer? It infers that Bruce Lee is quite aware that he cannot take over the world at his stature and his size, at least when it comes to fighting. He was very well aware of that. And that quote and also the, oh, look at my little Chinese fist quote, both happened during Enter the Dragon, which is literally within the last seven months of his life. So we're talking about the most mature version of Bruce Lee, a 32-year-old Bruce Lee is as mature as he's going to get, having it, you hear those things happening in that last period of his Hong Kong time. He was confident, but he also knew his limits. He is now on the other end of that 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 curve in terms of where his confidence is, because this is confidence from experience. I'm sure the 18 year old Bruce Lee was confident, too, before he came to the States. 
and he had to deal with monsters like Jesse Glover and James DeMille. Um, and you see right from the day he started teaching, he was already putting in the work in terms of experience. I can imagine the Bruce Lee that was one week from going to America in Hong Kong was way more confident than Bruce was two months later. Right. Yeah, that's why you know? I, try, I try to tend in, to speak in the, in the terms of real confidence. And what I mean real confidence is how do you feel after the first thing goes wrong? So, you know, that's when, that's when you have to measure a person's confidence level. So if you take a guy who is training realistically and sparring once or twice a week and a guy who's just punching a heavy bag, maybe at the start of the fight, the guy who punched in a heavy bag has a measurably larger confidence level than the guy who trains a couple times a week because he knows what could happen. But when they both get punched in the face, and getting punched in the face will happen, the guy who trains with the heavy bag is going to be in shock because he's never been punched in the face before. He doesn't know what it feels like. He doesn't know what to do with this. Why why does everything hurt from his chin down to his ass? And, you know, why why is he feeling numbness in his legs? And why does his stomach feel like he's about to throw up? He didn't get punched in the stomach. He got punched in the face, but his stomach feels like it's going to throw up. Why? Because he's never dealt with an adrenaline dump before. He doesn't understand what, he doesn't know what the real, what it really feels like to deal with an adrenaline dump and everything else that goes along with that. The guy who gets up and does it when it happens, does it a couple times a week, well, he does this a couple times a week. You know, like, it's like, you know, I joke like I have a bad memory now because I've been punched in the head a lot. But, it also means that if you punch me in the head, it's okay. I I I I've been there a lot. Right. I'm I'm not too worried about it. You know, you you can punch me in the head. I'm I'm good. I'm gonna kill you. You know, like I know, like if, unless you've done a lot of training, I'm I'm gonna hurt you. I may not win, but I'm gonna hurt you. You know, because I've been there a lot. I did it a lot. I've been punched in the face a lot. You know, when we trained guys for MMA MMA fighting, I've been punched in the face a lot. I know what it feels like. You know, the guys that have never been punched in the face, I don't care what kind of training they're doing. When they get hit with that first punch, man, they're gonna they're gonna deal with a fear that they've haven't experienced in a long time. Yeah. You know? And it's like, you know, there's, when you go through certain things in your life, it kind of, oh, everything prepares us for our future person. You know, um, you don't want to, you don't want to be the, the car salesman who has to sell my brother a car because my brother negotiates business deals for a living. Right. So he, he, he knows what it feels like to have that give and take, you know, and but if you, but you know, so if you were a car salesman, you'd much rather sell me a car than my brother, because Lou has that experience in, 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 in negotiating. You know, he's not afraid of getting the, the equivalent of getting punched in the face in a negotiation. Me, I don't know what right. the fuck I'm doing. I'm basically gonna pay whatever you tell me to pay. You know, and right. but if you, but if we get into a fight, you'd much rather punch my brother in the face than me, because Lou doesn't fight. He hasn't been in a in a fight in 30 years well I used to get punched in the face on a nightly basis in my basement for years so I can barely say the alphabet now but I can deal with getting punched in the (laughs) face you know and it gives me a level of confidence you know as the the kids say, say story time one time I had a friend of mine say to me, a non-martial arts friend of mine, as I was limping across this floor one day, say to me, Sean, everybody talks like about all this martial arts stuff that you do, but like you, you know, you limp and there, you know, like, I, you, you could fight, you're like an old man now. And this was four or five years ago. And I, I said my, my line, well, I have one good fight left in me, you know. Do you want to be it? And I say that joking. 
And he says, no, but can we, can we, can we box a little bit? Because I want to see what you got, old man. And I have to tell you, I felt like the nervous stomach. Like, and I wasn't getting into a fight. No one was like, looking to actually hurt sure. me. But sure. I got a nervous stomach immediately. Like, oh, my God. Like, I have, you know, this, this guy is 20 years younger than me and in shape. Oh, what am I doing? What am I doing? This guy's going to fucking kill me. I, and I know he's not going to hurt me, but I just like, you know, this is going to be embarrassing. But like a schmuck, I said yes. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, what are we doing? What's the rules? And he said, just like, you know, lightly make fists. And, you know, we, we can hit each other. Okay. Like a schmuck, I said, all right, let me do it. So we actually go into the men's room of where we are. And everybody's laughing. This is gospel, truth, glory. And there's like seven guys. And we laugh. And we go into the men's room. And I just say to myself, oh, just, just do what you got to do and relax. And, and then I said to myself, stupid, you do this a couple of days. You, you did this last night. Like, right. You know? And I... You, and I, to this day, I'll tell you, it was the luckiest thing that's ever happened to me. This guy stepped in with like a jab cross. Alex, I swear on the Bible, I hit this dude on the chin in between his jab cross. It was the luckiest punch I've ever thrown in my life. <laughs> I hit this dude square on the chin in between his jab cross. And he went back and looked at me and said, Holy shit. And I said, and that's all I got. <laughs> and I walked out. <laughs> and knew, I walked you knew out. You quit when you were ahead. <laughs> I knew because I knew, you know, he was 20, 25 years younger than me. He would have fucked yeah. me up at some point. You know what I mean? Right. But I hit him in between a jab cross. Well, just, you know, lightly, you know. Uh-huh. But the speed so what was you, what there. Were you just like slightly out of range for the jab? And then as he pulled it back you just went in or how, how did that I'm very curious I, like the mechanics so what happened was I said to myself was no matter what he punched I was just going to pour out of the way with my rear hand and and just try and echo it pop up just give it an echo mm-hmm. that, what I call an echo punch is basically to respond like an echo to just respond it within a millisecond of their punch and I was going to just pour it out of the way and go and I mean, it doesn't even matter what the second punch is going to be if you can echo right. the first punch. And I just said to myself, I right, so what? You're going to eat a punch. You've eaten 100 punches. Who cares? So I said to myself, as soon as I see him move anything, I'm going to cover my chin with a, with a rear hand. Basically, I call it pouring, but, you know, a parry of some sort. I'm going to cover my chin with a parry and throw a punch straight up center. And I just kind of moved around a little bit, smiling given in my forehead to aim at and the second I saw like his his lead hand stop I knew the punch was coming because he was moving his lead hand around and then it stopped uh-huh. and as soon as the second I saw it stop I knew right, this guy's going to punch because they all stop him guy who's not trained they always stop right before they throw the punch mm-hmm. so I, I knew it as soon as I saw his hand stop I said oh he's punching now and as soon as I saw him stop I just kind of pushed forward and rear hand parried something that wasn't thrown yet. Right. The rear, the, his, his punch wasn't thrown yet and I was already throwing up the parry so that when his punch came, I parried it out of the way as if I had perfect timing and it was perfect luck. And so my punch landed on his chin a half a second after his punch landed on my hand. And he thought, like, whoa, you're fast. And I was like, whoa, you're lucky. <laughs> I was like, yeah, whoa, I'm lucky. And um, But that's true story time. And it wasn't, I was terrified walking into the bathroom, knowing I wasn't getting into a real fight. Right. Just on sure. the embarrassment level, my stomach yeah. was googling you know up. And you go wrong, too. Right. Just, yeah. And, and it wasn't until I said to myself, dude, you do this almost every night. Like, just fucking do what you know how to do. It's going to work. And it, and it worked. And 
it gave me a confidence level. In fact, a couple of days later, so obviously it was a guy I work with. I'm not going to ever say his name. And it was funny, a couple of days later, he came over to me and says, oh, come on, we got to go back and try that again. And I'm like, dude, why would I go back and try it again? I kicked your ass. <laughs> There's no upside of me ever doing this again. That's you know, right. You are, yeah. Sean is the A side and you're the B side right. of this contract renegotiation. I have no, right. no need to go back in the ring with you. There's no need. And, um, yeah. but you know, but it, it, it was having the confidence to say literally moments before it started, dude, you do this, you do this every night. Just do what you know how to do you'll, and it'll be fine. It, it, it was a real confidence as opposed right. to if I had just spent all my time, you know, on a heavy bag and a jong and, and, and just, you know, nothing that's interactive. You know, it was, the, it was knowing that I was downstairs in my basement with, with Rocco and Joe and these other guys, and they were trying to take my head off because they were training for fights. Right. You know, they were, they were trying to take my, I had headgear and a mouthpiece in, and they were trying to take my fucking headgear, my head, my head off. It was knowing that I was, did that every night, that I was like, dude, just gave me that confidence to be able to calm myself. And say, oh, dude, I could do this. Because, mm. you know, listen when, listen, when you're almost 50 and, you know, you definitely get to be like, oh, shit, you know, I could twist the knee. I could, you know, like the, right. a whole yeah. bunch of shit could go wrong, you know. And, you know, listen, I was never I was never putting pictures of myself up online without a shirt. So I was never in great shape. And this was, you know, I was a fat old bastard, you know. So I knew like things could go wrong, and um, but I'll, I'll always remember that wave of confidence a couple of seconds beforehand when I said to myself, "Dude, you do this every night. Right. You just did this the other night with Rocco. Like, this is nothing. This is a cakewalk for you." Yeah, and I, and I, I just, probably ate cake I, afterwards. <laughs> I just realized. You could f you could be the founder of the sixth way of attack in Jeet Kune Do, which would be very believable. Which is you feign a heart attack, and they right, go, "Oh my God, go. are you okay?" And then you just give them an uppercut that just sends them right through the ceiling. And then you go sixth way of attack. You got to come up with a cool name. Attack attack by attack by dying. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Where I just fall on you and smother you. That's right, that's right. Yeah, that's the seventh one. That's got another one there. You could have, you could come up with your own five ways, and then your Jikendo would have ten instead of five, which makes it twice as good as the other ones. There you go. That's I'm how. That's that how shit. it works. Usually, like if you have more, right? That's usually how. It right, works. exactly right. I can market that shit. Awesome, cool. Hey, man, this was a lot of fun. Yes, uh, this absolutely. Was this was another one of our non-topic topics <laughs> that we enjoy. Um, I just want to uh, uh, say uh, real quick, uh, I'm going to be doing a live theory class. Uh, this is going to be August 1st, which is a Saturday, and it's at uh, 2 p.m. I do this every month. This is a live Zoom theory Q&A class. It's open not just for WT people, but for any people who are interested in Wing Chun and I suppose if there was some Jeet Kune Do fanatic on there who wanted to know something about Wing Chun I'd let them on there too um, <laughs> so you can go to you can go to the website it's um, citywt that's c-i-t-y-w-t dot com and you can register there are a couple different ways I'm actually super excited about this you can um, pay to do the online uh, theory class and basically what I do is for the first 20 minutes or so I pick a topic like in advance and I'll talk about a topic for about 20 minutes and then for the remaining hour and 10 minutes I just take questions from the members who are there and so I never know where the top where where the thing is going to go it's a lot like our podcast in that way and uh, people ask me anything could be theory can be history can be training methods fighting this that and the other thing Chinese stuff about Wing Chun whatever and we just talk about it and then uh, people who do the live class uh, will have the chance to ask me something and if you missed it you can actually purchase that uh, hour and a half it's like 75 minutes and 90 minutes you can actually purchase it and then watch it whenever you want or 
uh, the other option is you can actually subscribe. You get a monthly subscription and you get both the live class uh, link and you can go back and watch the video afterwards. It'll be in a channel for people who have the subscription and it's pretty cheap. You can go to cdwt.com to set up uh, to set that up. And yeah, I'm looking forward to the next one because um, my students, t I know the kind of students, my uh, the kind of questions my students are going to ask me. But when people come from other Wing Chun schools or other lineages, we even had a Moyat guy on the last one. Um, you know, they're going to ask me very different questions. And this is really great because it gives me a chance to kind of, you know, stretch uh, uh, my abilities to give people a, a thought you know provoking answer and not just go uh 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 do more <laughs> do more punches on the wall bag <laughs> and so like the last the last uh, one i talked about the timing of the wrist on the wall bag and how to get that timing in for the punch i talked about uh buji i talked about uh the use of kicks in wing chun i talked about theory versus concepts uh um so many topics and and so yeah i'm, I'm actually quite pumped for the next one because it I, I don't know where it's going to go until you know the people start asking me questions so it's, it's really quite exciting so if you guys are interested in doing that if you miss this one or this upcoming one i'm going to do this once a month usually the first saturday of every month uh, but always check the schedule online to double check that cdwd.com so looking forward to seeing you all there all right folks have a good night we'll see you next week all right take care bye-bye bye-bye thank you for listening to our latest episode Please help us get the word out there by sharing this and other episodes on your favorite social media platforms. If you're enjoying the Dudes of Kung Fu podcast, there are many ways in which you can support it. Go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out how you can help your favorite Kung Fu podcast. We are currently using Patreon to automate great benefits to those who support the podcast. As a supporter of the Dudes, you'll get early access to episodes as well as a number of other benefits based on your donation level. This includes in-depth topic lectures and even monthly live video conferences with the dudes. Again, go to dudesofkungfu.com support to find out more about that. As always, you can help support us in small ways as well. Give us a like at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page and share links to episodes. If Twitter is your preferred social media outlet, you can follow the Dudes of Kung Fu there as well. Both Big Sean Madigan and yours truly are on Twitter too. Dudes of Kung Fu is now also on Instagram, so tag it along with the hashtag Dudes of Kung Fu whenever you post something related to the podcast. A great way to support the dudes is to rate and review it on either the iTunes or Android app stores. The written reviews are immensely more helpful than just giving us a five-star rating. If you have any suggestions for topics or guests, please write us at the Dudes of Kung Fu Facebook page. Please understand that neither Sean nor I can guarantee a response, but we will consider any serious suggestions. And finally, I ask that you help spread an open dialogue with other practitioners of martial arts. Chinese Kung Fu in particular has long since suffered from caustic political discourse, which can only change with you. Remember, the person you wholeheartedly disagree with doesn't love martial arts any less than you do. Take care, and thank you for supporting the Dudes of Kung Fu!